0: Two days after getting stomped by Michigan, Brian Kelly closed his Monday press conference with a declaration. They,
1: they won't be defined by, by one game. They've got a great opportunity in the month of November. You know, they can be remembered by winning the month of November. If they win the month of November, the noise will change. <laughs> All will be happy.
0: Now, not all will be happy, but five straight wins to close the season to get to win number 10 for the third straight year, that's a pretty solid accomplishment. So this isn't the same Stanford team Notre Dame is used to facing, but winning at Stanford has not happened in the Brian Kelly era. That losing streak will have to end today for Notre Dame's winning ways and positive feelings to continue into tomorrow. Live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden
2: Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays.
0: It's the regular season finale for the Irish in the bi-annual trip to Palo Alto, a trip that has not worked out. In the favor of Notre Dame, since every player on the team was in grade school. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. I'm Angelo DiCarlo, coming to you live from Schnecksville, Pennsylvania. I'm back home celebrating Thanksgiving with my family for the first time in 13 years. My broadcast partner, Kevin Downey, back in the Redeemer Radio Studios. Kevin, have a good uh, Thanksgiving there. What you guys have, like uh, 100 people or so?
2: Yeah, it was great. Football, family, and a whole bunch of kids with my family.
0: Yeah, I thought ours was big with uh, forty, but nothing compared to, to your uh, Thanksgivings there with the Klaska clan. That's a uh, that's a uh, that's that's pretty big. How many turkeys you guys got going uh, on Thursday?
2: Oh man, we did turkey, we did ham, we did uh, Polish sausage. The oh. Polish influence.
0: Well now, did you go with squash as your favorite uh, side on them like Coach Kelly or did you go a different route?
2: <laughs> I went jalapeno poppers. <laughs> jalapeno <laughs> poppers. I know, That's... I know. 2019 it's exciting.
0: I'm not I'm not, there's no there's no change in me. I go old school. It's just it's the straight up mashed potatoes, but uh, you know my my brother-in-law is Pennsylvania Dutch so they got the good style. We don't let the Italians necessarily cook on Thanksgiving. So he's got the <laughs> the mashed potatoes. We put the gravy and then you put the corn on top of the... Uh, you make a little a little mountain. Yeah, make a little mountain. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about Notre Dame. They had their uh, Thanksgiving uh, feast at uh, at the Morrison and then uh, flew out to Palo Alto on Thursday. They'll play at 4 o'clock this afternoon here against Stanford in the regular season finale. The Irish have lost five straight games on the road at Stanford. Notre Dame's last win there was in 2007 when the Irish only won three games that season Brian Kelly simply put has never won at Stanford and overall Stanford has really had ND's number Kelly three and six against the Cardinal as the Notre Dame head coach Stanford not the same team uh that they have been in the the past Kevin this is their final game of the season they'll not go to the bowl game at four and seven a team that's you know they've, they've really been plagued by injuries
2: well, injuries, and then it also just leads to uh, inconsistent play. So they'll have, you know, on defense, they, they'll have some guys that step up and make big plays, and then the next one they'll give up big big touchdowns. And then the same with the offense. It's not the, the normal uh, Stanford ground-pound game where they run the ball really, really effectively. Um, it's just really inconsistent, which, again, is kind of odd because that's what uh, Stanford had been doing for pretty much a decade.
0: Yeah, it always felt like it was a battle of trenches between Notre Dame and Stanford forever. And maybe it's not so – I got that when I was, like, talking to the guys. I'm like, "Eh, it's not not quite that as much. And that's kind of been where where they've kind of slipped up a little bit. Um, All right, on tap on this morning's show here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, our Focus on Faith interview is with Anna Roar. Last weekend, she became the first four-time cross-country All-American in Notre Dame history. Of course, she's a Mishawaka native, a parishioner at St. Monica's. She talks about how much her faith means to her and how it's helped her overcome so many injuries in her career. We will, of course, go more in-depth on this matchup with Stanford. What is Ian Book's future? Will he return next year? Hear what he has to say about that from his comments after the game last Saturday in the victory over Boston College. Let's start with... Uh, the Irish having the opportunity to win 10 games in a regular season. Uh, Kevin, I think most of us would be lying the night of the Michigan game if we thought this team was even going to get to 10 uh, wins in the regular season. Had to sneak out that win over Virginia Tech. And now playing their best football of the season. Three straight lopsided wins over Duke, Navy, and Boston College.
2: Well, and I think overall, besides the Michigan game, they have been uh, fairly consistent. And they've improved, I think, the you know strength of schedule plays into it a little bit, but, um, yeah, I think they're playing really well on offense and defense. And again, they've had injuries along the way and they've overcome them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like that. And then, uh, like we said, this is the 34th all time meeting w- with Stanford coming up today. And, you know, if, if As we said, it's not going to be easy to get the win because of the fact that you just haven't won at Stanford in the Brian Kelly era. But if ND wins, they get to 10 wins. And, and, Kevin, here's my question to you. You get to 10 wins in the regular season. Do you view that as a successful regular season?
2: Definitely. I think, um, especially if you look at the past three years combined, that that's some really consistent good football um, and something to build on and something that will help them again with recruiting – which a lot of times it does still match up or end up being the matchups with players, how good they are versus your opponents.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned that uh, three straight years to get to 10 wins. That hasn't happened since the 91 to to 93 seasons. We asked uh, that question, getting to 10 wins in the regular season, is that a successful year? Uh, 68% of our voters, we had 751 votes, 68% said yes, 32% no. Of course, the comments lean more towards the no, right? Uh, We expect that. Uh, One comment said no because we lost both of our big games even though Georgia was close. You can't just not show up in a Michigan game and Kelly seems to have one game every year where he and the team don't show up. Uh, Jennifer Blair wrote, I agree that Michigan tanked them. Georgia was a close game. As long as Kelly does not prepare the team to play properly in the elements, they will lose in stupid fashion. You do not pass in the pounding rain and wind. They should have won at Michigan. Joseph wrote, no, not a successful season. I know I'm hung up on it, but I just feel like the Michigan debacle was the last straw with, for me with Kelly. I watched my Irish, but I haven't had any juice watching these games. I just, I'll never trust Kelly to show up in a big road game. Okay, so, you know, they've played really well, right? But people haven't forgotten about that Michigan game. We haven't forgotten about that Michigan game, Kevin. That, that That's hard to overcome that mindset of, of forgetting that game against a rival like Michigan and losing the way it is and I think it's understandable why that has tainted the season for for so many
2: well you go in with high expectations right because we had such a good or Notre Dame had such a good year last year but then um yeah <laughs> they played well against Georgia obviously lost and then that Michigan thing it just makes you nervous right you just don't trust that At any time, if you have a game where it's that lopsided of a uh, loss and you just don't show up, how could you know? It could come again, I guess. So, yeah, I understand people's anxiety about that.
0: Jason Pruitt wrote, yes, it is a successful season. The two losses were awful. I get it. But in the past, ND teams wouldn't overcome adversity and maybe drop two to three more regular season games. Book improved, defense improved. I'm really impressed that the team's overall improved despite additional injuries. Kudos to BK. So I I think that's another one that kind of makes sense uh, as well in that, okay, yeah, but remember – five, ten years ago, they they're going to lose a lot more games. That's kind of what has been um, the thing, that this has kind of felt like this is turning into more of a consistency and and a floor for the program that the Irish have uh, gotten to three straight years of ten wins. Here's what Brian Kelly said about hitting now a standard of consistency and where the program has gotten to. I'd say that's
1: a pretty high bar, you know, to to win ten out of twelve games uh, each year. Given the kind of schedule that we play, I think that's, um,
0: yeah, if, if you had that stock, you'd probably be pretty happy. So, Kevin, uh, is, is this now kind of the floor? Do you think at any point if they get under 10 wins, I, I probably think most people would say that is definitely a disappointing season now moving forward.
2: Yeah. Well, I think they've laid the groundwork. So, you know, if you can win the games you're supposed to win, even though, you know, as a coach, you're not going to tell the players this, but if you can establish that, Hey, if, if we're, um, up against somebody that we should beat and we beat them, then your focus can be on just improving yourself. And again, a lot of it's going to come through recruiting. Um, so that then now you can get to those one to two to three major games and, and step up and, uh, and beat those teams then
0: all right and a lot of our talk is obviously centered around where this program is headed for for years to come um in in the future and and in particular next year because a lot of people have high hopes and a lot of that future is going to depend on whether or not Ian Book returns next season as the Irish quarterback he has a year of eligibility left all seniors even with those with eligibility remaining do participate in senior day um, and, Kevin, we were both there during those uh, pregame, and Ian Book was running out not like a guy that had an eligibility left. He was fired up, throwing his arms up in the air. He was acting like a guy that was at least treating it like his final game at Notre Dame Stadium.
2: Well, and he's an emotional, confident guy, um, and at least from you know his soundbites, tends to <laughs> to want to live in the moment. So that's a good thing. I guess I would just be – a little bit apprehensive that, man, yeah, maybe maybe this is his last thing. When you first said it when we were in the press box, I was like, oh, no, you know, he'll be back. But, yeah, there is a little bit of, uh, I guess, apprehension. If <laughs> if you're looking forward to next season being really good, I think Ian Book being a part of it uh, makes that consistency a lot more possible.
0: Well, Kevin mentioned what Ian had to say after the game. He was emotional on the field before and after the game, and here's what he had to say when he was asked about his future after the game.
2: You were you were pretty emotional. It looked like pregame. Do you, do you think this was your last game in this building, yeah. or are you coming back? We'll see. Um, regardless, special night, um, just to have your, my family down there, have everyone's family down there. It's emotional, you know. But, um, yeah, we'll see. we got, got another game to go. You
3: know, what's it like watching some of your teammates go out of the tunnel and be able to meet their families? What's it like yeah. for
2: you? Um, it was emotional, but it, it was – it's a night we're all going to remember. Um, you know, you coming with a class, you, the bond is, is uh, really strong, and, and we've we've gone through so much together. You know, on and off the field, and uh, it's crazy that it's already been you know four years. It's unbelievable how fast time's gone by. But uh, a night none of us are going to forget. You got to cherish it. So that was awesome.
0: And did you treat this like this would be your last game? Did you treat it like okay, maybe if this is my last game, I want to soak it all in? Yeah, no doubt. Try to do that every game though, but yeah having my family down there soaking it all in um me you never know what can happen so just wanted to take it all in enjoy it with my family like could. well we'll go through your process to making your decision on whether or not you're going to return or not beating stanford that's what we got to do so that's next got to go do that and then i uh, see what bowl game we get in. well he was uh little, he definitely avoided my last question there kevin I, he's like oh we just got to worry about beating stanford i'm like all right he's moved on he's he answered this question but the we'll see got a lot of people going oh wait a minute now to be fair he's got to go through the process here a little bit but that didn't like uh that didn't drive home the point that he's definitely coming back next year
2: yeah well i think uh obviously we'll see how he's rated as far as the draft that could play into it huge um and then i, I hate to say this but when my brother-in-law's at thanksgiving kind of dropped this i mean i've been thinking about it for a little bit you know what if he did the uh the transfer deal to Oklahoma and followed those other three guys that have done it year after year, that's a little scary. So I'd rather just think let's let them win against Stanford and come back next year for Notre Dame.
0: I honestly think what's going on is that, um, you know, Chase Claypool is leaving, right? This is his senior class. These are the guys that he came in with. Like he kind of mentioned there in the, the second question he was asked. So I think it was like, he's enjoying it. Um, With those guys, because a lot of those seniors he won't get to play with again next year if he if he does return. So I think that was part of it. I think he's not closing the door on it being his last game. So he figures he might as well embrace it just in case it is. So he doesn't have he can't say, oh, well, I, I wish I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. So to me, that's that's probably what's going on. I don't anticipate him leaving. Um I just think he's got as good of enough chance to to make it um, w- with this Notre Dame team next year than he would even if he went to to Oklahoma. Um, so I, I think it makes the most sense for him to come back. I don't see his draft stock being high enough that it's worth him going unless you look at it as, well, it could get worse, which yeah. that's possible, right? He could come back. Right now he's playing at a level that I think he would get drafted and probably be on an NFL team for quite a few years. Maybe he would not get an opportunity for a while. Maybe he never would, but he might get a good long tenure in the NFL as a backup quarterback. That's really good money, right? I mean, that's not that's yeah. not a bad that's not a bad game. Deshaun Kaiser has not had an opportunity, but he's been in the league now like four years. He's he's making a good living for himself. But, you know, if you return and you have a bad start to your year, and then all of a sudden four games in, Phil Dracovic does replace you because now he's closed the gap a little bit on spring practice and fall camp, then you might not get drafted and picked up at all. So there's a risk if he comes back, and certainly there's injury factor that can come in. Yeah. But overall, I think he's coming back. I mean, there it doesn't seem like there's a lot of reasons for him not to come back.
2: Well, and with his uh, experience and then another year in the system, you would think that he's just going to get better and better. I know he'll lose Claypool and lose some people around him, but uh, all those guys, as you mentioned, those are going to be younger guys that have kind of looked up to him, and that would (laughs) have – potentially that would be his third year, so they're going to be more used to him. Um, He's going to have a chance to do really well, I would think, to raise his stock, and as you said – Probably a better chance to raise his draft stock if he stayed.
0: All right. uh, After the game, I asked Brian Kelly what he thought about what Ian Book had to say just moments prior, saying, we'll see. Ian was asked after the game if this was his last game at Notre Dame Stadium. He said, we'll see. Um, Do you expect him back next year?
1: You know, we haven't sat down and talked about it. I think what he should do is get all the information first. We'll get the NFL evaluation in. Uh, get all that Um, we're still kind of in the you know we're in the passing lane right now you know we're trying to go through some traffic and and uh, so it's really too hard to kind of sit back and make those decisions at this time there'll be a time and place after the game that we play at Stanford to kind of make that you know decision but we're 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 like you know so focused on winning another football game Um, and then we'll we'll sit back and make that decision. I'll help him. Is that the biggest recruitment you have to do for the next couple you months? You know I'm going to recruit him. I want him back, but that's not my decision. But I, I'll certainly recruit him.
0: Are you surprised by it at no. all? Or because it just makes sense for him to go through the process?
1: Well, I, it makes sense for me and him and I've asked him to do this is to kind of hold this to us to the side and please focus on playing the position of quarterback <laughs> and uh, he's done a great job of that so I really don't want to upset that I, and I've asked him to kind of just put that aside right now and we've got plenty of time to deal with it after the
2: Stanford game
0: what'd you think of what coach Kelly had to say there Kevin
2: well, I mean, obviously he's going to want to back. Uh, there's a lot of time invested, and in, like I said, he's he's only going to uh, continue to improve. <laughs> you would think I don't see a meltdown coming for Ian Book if he does return next year. And, th- you know, a lot of the uh, projections, man, will it really matter? If, if he has two bad games in a row against Stanford in a bowl game, maybe uh, his options are going to be dwindling. So, sure. yeah, I, th- I think the best advice for um, – Ian, book from Kelly and from basically uh, anyone would be stay focused, play these, play uh, you know one game at a time. Play Stanford really well today. Play the bowl game well, and then you'll have more opportunities. If you get lost thinking too much about the future and get out of the present, it it can mess you up.
0: All right, uh, here's the timeline for Ian Book. He receives his NFL feedback. It'll be about the second week of December, and then he has to decide uh, by mid-January whether or not he'll return to the NFL or return to Notre Dame or head to the NFL. Um, how how important is it for Book to return? Would he be drafted well? I mean, these are the big questions that Kevin and I have kind of been posing. Uh, overall, he's now st- – completing 60% of his passes, 230 yards per game, 29 touchdowns, six interceptions, has led Endy in rushing the last four games. That that might be the most impressive stat, and I think he is playing better since he's opened up the threat of his run game here as well. That's something he did do a lot last year. Then they kind of didn't let him do that as much in the first seven games or so, and I feel like his overall play has improved with with him running the football more as well
2: well and I think he's just physical so for him um, you know they probably tried to protect him a little bit and just make sure that he was good to go but actually you know he seems to play better after he gets one good hit in Um, so he's a physical guy and he does better run the ball and if you look at the NFL that's kind of what they're trending towards are super mobile quarterbacks that can you know make all the throws and all the stuff that obviously Ian can do.
0: Here's what Brian Kelly had to say on how well Ian Book is playing right now. He's really starting
1: to play at a a more consistent level. And, and, you know, uh, I really like the things that I'm seeing from him at the quarterback position. He's showing toughness. Uh, He's throwing into tight windows. Uh, He's making good decisions. He's throwing, um, you know, to hot receivers. So he's playing the game the way it should be playing.
0: Kevin, do you think Ian Book is playing better now than he did at any point last year, or do you think he's playing about as good as he was at his peak moments last year?
2: I'd say he's playing about as good as he was um, at his peak moments because, again, I, I hate to say it, but it does come back to the people around him. You know, this year he does have uh, two really good threats with a, you know a great wide receiver and a, and a great tight end, but last year there were there were more people that could get the ball and be dangerous. So um yeah in fairness to him I think he I think he's pretty much done <laughs> really well with what he has both years you know he had multiple players uh, last year and then this year he does get others involved but his main uh weapons are are those two guys
0: Well and I I don't think it's coincidence that Chris Fink appears to be healthy again and and that's helping him in the in the slot and then certainly Brayden Lindsay has come on as, as a, a threat, threat. You know, as well. So that that, that helps him as well. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about Braden Lindsay coming up in the the next segment segment okay fiddler's hearth in downtown south bend is a great place to grab a drink eat a great dinner and listen to live music a locally owned public house fiddler's hearth has 24 beers on tap so your options are plentiful it's a family friendly and they have a great sunday brunch from 11 a.m to 2 p.m and they want to reward the loyal listeners of redeemer radio just mention you heard fiddler's hearth on redeemer radio to your server you'll get 10 percent off your food and drink And that's Fiddler's Hearth on Main Street in downtown South Bend. Our first high school basketball broadcast of the year are coming up on December 10th when St. Joe hosts Riley in a girls-boys basketball doubleheader. Bob Berger and I will be on the call all season long. Our full schedule of games is available online right now at RedeemerRadio.com. The girls game gets you started at 6 p.m. with the guys to follow. St. Joe and Riley, December 10th, here on Redeemer Radio. All right, still to come. Our Focus on Faith interview is with Notre Dame All-American cross-country runner Anna Roar. The Mishawaka High grad and St. Monica's parishioner explains how her Catholic faith has played such a big role in her running career. And up next, the latest on a bowl game for ND, and we look at some of the rising stars in the program. You're listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio 95.7 FM.
3: Does debt have you down? Are you worried about your credit cards, your mortgage, or keeping your car? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union can help. Our people are trained to be financial physicians. They can give you a checkup, help you to heal, and then stay healthy. Don't be embarrassed. It's why we exist. When your body is sick, you go to see a doctor. When your finances are sick, you go to see the friendly folks at Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits?
0: Radio station, we could use your support as we close out 2019. You can go to the main Redeemer Radio Facebook page and make a pledge to our Giving Tuesday campaign, or as always, go to redeemerradio.com/slash donate. Any contribution helps as we look to continue to help make Christ known in the Fort Wayne South Bend Diocese. All right, Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey, back with you here. For Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame ranks 16th in the college football playoff rankings. They haven't really moved up at all in the last few weeks, Kevin. Um, They got to get to the top 10 to be eligible for the Cotton Bowl on Saturday, December 28th. I mean, unless a lot of craziness happens. (laughs) Which could happen.
2: We have a couple of, uh, (laughs) yeah, today's going to be wild uh, for everybody. And then, you know, the conference championship, so...
0: Right, but a lot has to happen, and usually, what happens in those conference championships, unless people get absolutely, you know, destroyed by sixty points, they usually don't drop them too much. You mm-hmm. know, they kind of view that as a victory for the team that wins, but not necessarily a loss for the team that lost. You know, in terms of um, they will, in terms of the top four, certainly, yeah, but in terms of like dropping them below like a team that didn't play, they don't like to do that as much. So it really looks like. Um, they're going to end up in the Camping World Bowl in Orlando, um, and that's also on December 28th. So there's almost no scenario where they're not playing on December 28th. It's just whether or not they're going, the, uh, going to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl, uh, which would probably be against a group of five team, you know, Memphis or Cincinnati, um, or they could go to the Camping World Bowl in Orlando, and that could be like an Iowa or, or, or uh, a Big Ten team uh, like that that's kind of hovering in the top 25. So, um,
2: well, I think that, the the biggest impact is going to be the uh, Michigan Ohio <laughs> State game. If Michigan wins, then their you know Notre oh, Dame's well, that, whole deal against them doesn't hurt them as much. But if they lose, then I think they'll probably stay in the.
0: Actually, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if if Ohio State beats Michigan. Does a three loss Michigan stay ahead of Notre Dame? I, I think with that should.
2: beating, probably just Even personal opinion.
0: Mich- yeah, even if Michigan lost by, you know, 50 points. Well, they still beat Notre Dame by 50. Yes. I would still keep that. I think, And I think it would be hard-pressed for anyone to argue against that point if you're a Notre Dame fan. It's like you know, they, they beat you by, by a lot. I mean, if they had five losses, that would be a different story. So, uh, it, again, all signs point to December 28th and the Camping World Bowl. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the other guys on the team that we haven't talked too much about this year that are starting to be the rising stars in, in the program uh, and wide receiver Braden Lindsey uh, absolutely has been electric 61-yard jet sweep, rushing touchdown versus Boston College. He scored a 70-yard touchdown catch against Navy. Uh, Overall in the season, eight catches, 199 yards, two touchdowns, six rushes, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, Kevin, I think this guy could be one of those difference makers. Uh, He's starting to be now, but I think next year he's one of those go-to guys moving forward uh, with his speed and his ability, especially maybe sliding into that slot where uh, Chris Fink has been, I I think he could be a big option for for Ian Book, uh, assuming, of course, Ian Book does return next year.
2: Well, and for him, he's just so fast and so explosive, and he has the uh, opportunity to make big plays. You know, some of the old-time coaching sayings are it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's, and that guy can run. So you you can't coach that. You can't teach that. He's going to be somebody you know, that does hopefully continue to grow into it. And you know he's he's uh, a little bit slight, so the more he's in the you know weight room and the the more that he gets a chance to mature, he, he could you know build on those natural abilities.
0: Well, some have wondered why he hasn't played more, had concussions, uh, had a concussion earlier in the year, then actually didn't travel to to the Duke game because of fatigue issues. Here is what Lindsay had to say about that. Just been real tired. Like it's been really difficult for me to sleep. Uh, I just needed to figure out, you know, like my daily regimen, food, and all that. And you know, I, I think Kelly put it really well. I just had to figure out and adjust more to college. So we, you know, we kind of got a schedule. We gave me like a week, I guess, to recoup. You know, get my mind right and helped out in my head, with like the TKG or EKG, something like that. And ever since then, it's been great. And, you know, I'm working a lot more with everyone. It's, it's been really helpful. Was mono a concern at all? No no, no. no.
2: And the, and the concussion, you, uh, you had a couple of concussions. Were you concerned that it was some of that? No.
0: All right, so he doesn't think it's mono. He doesn't think it's related to his concussions. Uh, just kind of getting tired. And I think, Kevin, you know, big workload on college kids. People forget about that. Yeah, they're and,
2: young. You know, not yeah. immature, not in a negative way, just not having that experience of going through the grind of. Big-time college football at a high academic institution. It's understandable. Obviously, as uh, fans, people just want them all to be little robots and go out there. But, (laughs) yeah, I could see how it could be overwhelming, especially if you're young.
0: Uh, Now let's switch to someone who's not slight in stature. Uh, (laughs) Offensive lineman Josh Luggs, 6'7", 307 pounds. Uh, He started the last three games, came in uh, the Virginia Tech game after Robert Hainsey was injured. He's got two years of eligibility left after this season. Uh, he's cross-trained at every single position. Four-star recruit that has had to wait patiently for his turn. Here's what Josh Lug had to say about finally getting his opportunity. Uh, it was
2: difficult, but it's all in God's timing. And, and like, it took me a while to figure that out. And Once I did, um, I was in a better place. And just every practice, I had to focus on one thing. And Coach preached that. Robert Hansey uh, was a big mentor for me and teaching me that like, every practice in your notebook, write something down to improve on it, run and pass, and then just go from there. And eventually, like, my turn will come. It's on God's time and it's not mine. And eventually it did come, but it was difficult for a while. But just always have to be ready.
0: Good perspective there from Josh Lugg. Really, you know, try not to, you know, you talk about maturity uh, certainly there's a maturity level there from him that he's been able to um, understand that there's uh, his time would eventually come.
2: Well, and I think that's one of the fun things about coaching offensive linemen. They're usually pretty selfless uh, people that are hardworking. Um, but, you know, some of the, the strength of Notre Dame's past three years uh, is that they can consistently – recruit offensive linemen and you mentioned that cross trained at every position they've really gotten into that um again over these last three years if you look at their lineup it really looks like they have basically four offensive tackle type bodies so they have these taller big you know six seven three oh seven it's not like they're just tall skinny guys but taller people all across the board and think how much that's going to help those young men um, with their draft status down the road. Even if they're able to make a team in the NFL and they can be uh, you know, multiple and play different positions, it's going to help them. And I think it, it's helped with that consistency, even with injuries over the past couple of years.
0: All right, well, we were mentioning here the offensive line and Josh Lug. Uh, let's talk real quick about the state of the run game. Uh, Ian Book has led the team in rushing the last four games. Jafar Armstrong has completely disappeared, didn't even have a carry last week, apparently wasn't hurt. Maybe Brian Kelly's not letting on completely, but, you know, and I know he was hurt for a good chunk of the year, but 35 carries for 70 yards this season. That's his total numbers, Kevin. I mean, you talk about a guy that we anticipated having such a big year. And that's his total number so far this year. Isn't that kind of crazy to think about? 11 games into the season, 35 carries, 70 yards.
2: Well, and I just overall, I think that that could be one of the the hidden disappointments that may lead to other things. There's just a lack of explosiveness um, from the the running back position. And again, you look at sats Tony Jones Jr. has 672 rush yards. Ian book has 487. I mean, um, yeah, I I think that that kind of goes back to, okay, we can always get good offensive linemen. Um, but we need to be able to also recruit an explosive back. And that's not saying that our people can't grow into it, but there's, there's been a void this year and I think it's really affected everything. You know, that's the one thing that I going into the break, he asked about Ian book. Well, When you're your team's leading rusher, there's extra pressure on you as well to perform.
0: Well, it's amazing that they they can't get these elite running backs that would want to run behind this offensive line. You'd think they'd be able to. And I'm not saying, you know, I know there's a lot of guys that it's difficult. Um, They got to figure out the academics. That's always an important part in all of this. Um, but there's, there's plenty of smart running backs out there. <laughs> yeah, well, Stanford's
2: so, done it for decades, right? Yes, <laughs> you can <exactly>. do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's been plenty of guys that have run the ball really well at Stanford over the years. Why, why can't Notre Dame be able to get those guys? they got to be able to. All right, let's, uh, let's hear from one of Kevin's favorite players on the team, and that's Bo Bauer. He's a linebacker but mostly playing on special teams. Uh, he was uh, talking this week about why he loves special teams so much.
2: Honestly, right now I live and breathe special teams. It's like I try to display the love for my brothers every time I'm out there and do my best. If that's blocking a long snapper or blocking a punt, whatever they want me to do, I'll do it. So then we can have the best chance of winning. You a big
0: smile each time we ask you about special teams. You <laughs> must really enjoy it. What in particular makes it, you know, so much fun? For
2: you? I mean, I. It's like a one-play series. So like you get the opportunity to really shine on that one play on every aspect. You can make a tackle, you can block a punt, like we can crib it if you're making a block like it's just like every single time you go out there it's like the crowd's really into it. Everybody's watching and it's just like it's just like an emotional ride for you and it's just it's, it's honestly my favorite part even with defense.
0: All right, Kevin, I bet you you like him even more now.
2: I do, I do. It's my first soundbite I've heard from him. What I love watching uh, him, and again, he's on about every special team. Yeah. So watch number 52 because he's really exciting. He's an intense, emotional guy. He does his job. Um, at times he may get a little bit too emotional. You know, he's had a couple penalties this year too, but he, he does. You can tell that he embraces any play on the field, and he's a young guy, and he can run. I mean, that, that to me is exciting. If he gets more time in the uh, weight room, then I think he can do uh, other things as well as special teams.
0: All right, uh, and, and real quick, uh, Jonathan door 4-4 on field goals last week, 12-14 of 14 for the season, Jay Bramblett uh, averaging 40 yards per punt. We thought – the, the kicking and punting game could be an issue this year. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been at all. No drop-off. Uh, no drop-off <laughs> at all.
2: They followed I mean. some really good uh, Notre Dame specialists. But, yeah, no, they're good
0: yeah absolutely all right our title sponsor for irish sports saturdays is notre dame federal credit union did you know that notre dame fcu provides financial assistance to help our members at participating catholic schools to find out the details ask your local catholic school principal notre dame federal credit union your share of values why not share in our benefits time for a timeout up next an aurora has been running by everyone for nearly a decade First at Mishawaka High School in the last five years at Notre Dame. We talk about her career, her future, and her faith. Next on Notre Dame FCU's Irish Sports Saturdays. Coming up right after us, Lenny D. Lorenzo, the McGrath Institute for Church Life, is your host. That's next here on Redeemer Radio with replays tonight at 6 and Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. All right, uh, welcome back to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Time now for our Focus on Faith segment. Anna Rohrer is a Mishawaka High grad and parishioner at St. Monica's Par- uh, Parish in Mishawaka. She's also one of the best runners in the country. Last week, she became the first four-time All-American cross-country runner in Notre Dame history. Kevin, to be the first of anything in Notre Dame athletics history is quite the accomplishment. Really cool for it to be a local athlete.
2: Definitely. I mean, such a long history of uh, great athletics and <laughs> four-time All-American. That's pretty impressive. Like we said with uh, Braden Lindsay, it's tough to be a young athlete going into Notre Dame and figuring it out. Um and again, you know, I'm with you, the local athlete, Angle's really, really cool.
0: Anna was the Gatorade National Cross Country Runner of the Year as a senior at Mishawaka High School after winning multiple state titles in cross country. She also was the state champion in the two-mile, one-mile during the track season. At Notre Dame, she's won two ACC Outdoor Championships in the 10K with another season coming up this spring really the only thing that's ever held her back in her career has been injuries but in our interview anna explains she wouldn't have been able to overcome all those injuries and possibly she would have quit otherwise if it wasn't for her catholic faith here's focus on faith with mishawaka native and their name all american Anna aurora Wrapping up your cross-country career uh, this past weekend, uh, what did it mean to you? Obviously, I know I know you're a very competitive person, so 17th place finish you probably were a little disappointed in, but to be a four-time All-American uh, at Notre Dame, the first in program history, has to mean a whole lot to you.
3: Yeah, yeah. It was really the perfect culmination of my cross-country career because it was at a course that I ran in high school many times and have some great memories there. So. Obviously, I was hoping for a better finish, but again, at the end of the day, it was. I know I've had a very successful cross-country career, and I'm grateful to be finishing feeling healthy at this point as well.
0: It's been such a journey for you. Uh, when did you first start running? I mean, I remember you know trading texts with your mom when you were going after the Foot Locker National Championship, but when did running first come into the picture for you?
3: I started running in eighth grade. I um, It was, or maybe seventh grade, I started running track and didn't really get very good at it until um, the middle of high school. But I started in middle school, and I knew I had some talent then, and it was was fun. Um, I hadn't been great at some of the other sports that I tried, so it was really fun to be excelling at that.
0: You know, being a local girl that gets to stay at Notre Dame, Um, And, you know, have family and friends that come in and, and maybe be able to watch you when you've competed over there at the at the golf course and everything. What has this meant to you to to be able to stay local and be at Notre Dame?
3: I'm definitely grateful for it at this point. I remember when I was first deciding to come to Notre Dame, I didn't want to stay so close to home just because I wanted to feel like I had that college experience of being away. But I'm so grateful for it now because it really is nice to have your family be able to come to so many events. And just this past... um, this past weekend at for nationals my high school coach was there mom, some of my high school friends were there and family members on top of that and basically the entire team so it's really nice to be able to run locally and have so many people support me
0: an Aurora outstanding athlete here at the University of Notre Dame joining us on our focus on faith interview let's talk a little bit about your faith I know you're a, a St. Monica's girl uh, you know, what How important was faith for for you and your family when when you grew up?
3: Faith has always been a big aspect of my day-to-day life, and that starts with my family raising me, of course. Um, But it's been something that's helped me through the highs in life and also the lows, but definitely my family always reminds me that that's what's most important during those high and low times.
0: You obviously uh, experienced a lot of injuries in your in your career that you've had to battle through and battle back from. Um, how much did your faith help you through all that?
3: Yeah, without having the faith that I do, I don't think I'd be where I am because it would be so easy to quit after what I've been through. But people come up to me after injuries or after races, and even when it's something, a performance that I'm not necessarily as pleased with. People talk about how inspiring I am to them for whatever reason it may be. And that's something that reminds me that I do believe that this is in God's plan for me and this is his purpose. And I'm going to keep fighting through because I, I do feel called here and I feel that I can keep doing good things with my running in ways that aren't necessarily running itself and um yeah during the low times of injuries I just remember that this is part of the plan and I look back on the difficult times that I have I've had and I see how it has worked for the good and has shaped me into the person that I am
0: what was maybe the most difficult one uh, of those injuries to to overcome and uh you know when was it and how did you kind of come through it
3: the hardest one was back in high school when I broke both of my feet at the same time because I was had to be in a wheelchair at school. And that was just such a low point mentally and physically because I went from performing so well and helping my team every step of the way to all of a sudden not being able to do what I felt like was anything. And it just really took a, a, a hit on me mentally, but, Again, faith playing into that, I was able to see the good that came out of it and see some of the good at the time and what all the opportunities that I had outside of running at that time. But another injury that was really, really difficult was my back injury in college because it kind of led to a lot of other injuries down the road. Um, And then also, most particularly, I ran the 10K at at NCAAs my sophomore year on that back injury and it was just a really really tough race mentally and physically because I knew what I was going through but everyone else didn't really know and so to run that race and have it go really as expected for me but it was a very poor race relative to what it could have been if I was healthy it was a very very difficult time.
0: Yeah, I remember that one because we were like, wait, what's going on? And then we find out afterwards, you know, you had been battling these injuries. And that that would be hard, too, to, like, kind of contain that information and kind of, you know, wait, you know, until often afterwards to say, yeah, I, I w- I've i been going through some stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. And I think I just had that hope inside of me that it was going to end up being okay. But realistically, I knew that it wasn't. So that was why I kept racing that season was because I was already so close to the end and I knew I would be able to qualify for nationals and I hadn't been before. So I really wanted to try it and just hope for the best.
0: Mishawaka High School alum, St. Monica's uh, parishioner, and Arora, outstanding athlete here at the University of Notre Dame, joining us on our Focus on Faith interview here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. I mentioned, of course, you being a Mishawaka grad. What what are your uh, favorite memories of your time uh, over at the CAVE?
3: Oh, gosh. My favorite memories would definitely be the things that I got to do with my cross-country and track teams. We just had so many fun traditions that, looking back on, really were very, very special. Um, Just traditions like playing team games on Fridays or having team dinners and the things that we would do on race day and after race day. It was just They really were very, very special. And they're things that I'm always going to remember. And I know my friends and my teammates that are years older than me and years younger than me can all connect and relate to those things.
0: And then, how about at St. Monica's? Obviously, you know, there was a point where, you know, St. Monica's was struggling. Uh, Now, Father Jacob has come in. Um, I know he, he, you know, he came in while you were in college, but you got to know him a little bit. how, how cool is it to see a priest like that kind of revitalize St. Monica's in, in the way he has?
3: Oh, my goodness. I've talked about that with my family a lot and also just friends and fellow fellow teammates here at Notre Dame about how happy I am about my church. I say my teammates because there's actually been a couple of times when we've run past my church before. Um, but... You know, I, I went to grade school there and that's been my home parish all my life. So it is really special to me. And when I saw it going downhill, it was it was really sad. And to see it just revitalized now is just so, so, so exciting. And um, yeah, it's it's fun to go to church and see how much it's grown and see the, the new families and hear the great music and always hear what Father Jacob has to say. What
0: uh, what's next for you? What uh, what's the future hold? I know you have another uh, season coming up here for for the track side of things. But what do you think in a year from now uh, you'll be pursuing?
3: Yeah, I would like to run professionally after this year because it's a chance that you only have for a certain amount of time in your life. And so I'd like to pursue that and see where it takes me.
0: So that goal, I remember we were always talking in high school, hey, you, Olympics, Olympic. you know, you, you, there's always been so much pressure on you because you've had so much success. Is, is that still one of your biggest goals?
3: Yes. Um, realistically, the 2020 Olympics are not very likely, but um, I plan to, the plan is to hit a olympic trials qualifying time this spring and then go ahead and run at the trials and in june and i mean i know i can be a good contender there and really get some great experience running with the top runners there but i think the more realistic goal would be probably 2024
0: for, for lack of better term i don't think backup plan is a, a good way of phrasing this because uh being a neuroscience uh major that you are, uh, that doesn't sound like a backup plan. That sounds like a, a, a great plan. Um, wh- wh- where do you hope, uh, your future beyond, uh, track takes you, um, with that degree?
3: So my undergrad degree was in neuroscience, which I loved. It was so fascinating to me. And now I'm getting my master's in business management. So I'm getting a pretty well-rounded education to pursue any type of career that I, um, that I think of, I guess, going forward, but I can see myself doing something in healthcare sales or uh, something in sports also, maybe sports sales, working in retail. Um, but I'm not completely sure at this point, but I definitely have some ideas in mind and I know where my interests lie.
0: Overall, this this entire journey to, to be at this point, um, how much have you felt you know, your experiences, you know, on the track and in cross country have helped you grow with all the obstacles you had to overcome.
3: I think that's what shapes me the most. Uh, You really learn who you are when things get tough and running itself is really tough, but when running doesn't go well, I think it really pushes you to become a better better and more well-rounded person in other aspects of life because it helps you realize life isn't all about running for one thing, but it also helps you realize that there's more important things like being a good team leader and picking up your teammates who are struggling or lifting up the people who are doing really well. But overall, I think just being part of a team for five years and through high school as well has just helped me remember what is most important and where my strengths lie, even if it's not necessarily running, but helping build other people up and helping lead people to be the best that they can be.
0: Anna, thank you very much. Thank you. That is Anna Rohrer, four-time Notre Dame All-American cross-country runner, Mishawaka high grad and parishioner at St. Monica's Parish in Mishawaka. Kevin, a great insight from Anna there.
2: Yeah, well, when I was a football coach, I used to say injuries are the only bad part of football, but sports in general gives you opportunities to grow as a person, and again, you're going to have difficult times in real life too.
0: We want to thank Tyrac for being such great supporters of Redeemer Radio. The folks at Tyrac underwrite our internship program with high school students from Marion and St. Joe. The students are getting college-level internship experience, thanks in large part to the generosity of Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac.com. Our game day sprint previewing Notre Dame and Stanford is next on Redeemer Radio 95.7. Imagine a world with no poverty, a world where everyone has food to eat, clothes to wear, and is able to make rent each month. The St. Vincent DePaul Society is working towards that goal. We are committed to ending poverty by serving our community, one neighbor at a time. We have seen the power one person
2: can have on those we serve. Join us in the fight against poverty. Visit
0: svdpsb.org or call 234-6000 for more information.
1: A game that obviously we have not won at Stanford uh, in quite some time, uh, so the focus is on you know, playing well on the road against uh, an opponent that uh, certainly uh, has our respect. Uh, as I mentioned, they have beaten us at, uh, uh, at uh, Stanford Stadium and certainly have um, beaten us here, so uh, our guys will have to play well.
0: All right, welcome back. Notre Dame, 9-2 on the season at Stanford, 4-7, 34th all-time meeting. Notre Dame leads the all-time series, 20-13. The Irish won the last meeting last year, 38-17. Brian Kelly, 3-6 versus Stanford. Notre Dame has never won at Stanford in the Brian Kelly era. Uh, But, Kevin, as we talked about, not the same Stanford team of old at 4-7. They won't have quarterback K.J. Costello today. He's missed a ton of games. David Miles will start at QB um, he's been pretty good, 67%, a completion percentage, 240 yards per game, nine touchdowns, five interceptions. Um, more of a threat on offense probably than a defense at this point for Stanford, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think their offense is ahead. But, again, they're just inconsistent across the board. That maybe could because of injuries or youth or whatever, but, you know, that's that's been the issue this year.
0: All right, a decent wide receiver uh, core in Connor Weddington, Michael Wilson, and Colby Parkinson. The running back, Cameron uh, Scarlett, has uh, 800 yards rushing. Uh, Anyone stand out for you, Kevin, on the defensive side of the ball?
2: On defense, um, they have a lot of people that make uh, tackles, but the playmaker seems to be 52, Casey Hill. He's a defensive end or outside linebacker.
0: All right, 55 tackles, 10.5 tackles for loss, 8 sacks on the season all right uh and also their cornerback uh Paulson Adebo uh four interceptions uh, was once a Notre Dame recruit uh is out for this game uh Kevin what, what what do you think happens in this game what's your prediction
2: I'd say uh Notre Dame wins 42 to 14 but you always scared wow. me with those stats
0: 42 14 yeah I think they can get after him wow that talk about breaking up that uh, pattern. All right. Uh, so you go forty-two, I'm going to go thirty-one, seventeen. Notre Dame. I thought I was uh, going out on a limb there, but uh, there you go. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Kevin. That'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where you bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operators today, Elia Glasman and Joe Andert. A programming note, this is our final broadcast of the regular season. No show next week. We'll be back for a bowl special almost certainly on december 28th for my broadcast partner kevin downey i'm angel de carlo notre dame and stanford set to kick off at 4 p.m eastern this afternoon in palo alto a win for the irish gives them 10 wins three straight seasons for the first time since the early 90s we close our show the same way the irish close their pregame with a prayer from the team chaplain
2: this is father mark thesing chaplain for the notre dame fighting irish football team let us pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Our Lady of Victory, pray for us. Go Irish! Support for programming on Redeemer Radio is provided by the DeNicola Center for Ethics and Culture at the University of Notre
0: Dame. The DeNicola Center is committed to sharing the richness of the Catholic moral and intellectual tradition, both on campus and in the wider public square. Learn more about the DeNicola Center and see our schedule of upcoming
3: conferences, lectures, and events at ethicscenter.nd.edu.